Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 195 of the podcast. It's the 25th of September, 2019, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a lovely conversation with Renee Kabatik. Renee is mom to two unschooling teens, twins actually, and she shares some wonderful stories about their unschooling lives. We dive into passions and comfort zones, college and quitting, agency and self-efficacy, and lots more. As a personal update, this week we did a pretty serious clean out of stuff that's just been lying around for years. And I took care of a couple of tasks that I've been putting off for a while. So all good things, but I'm looking forward to finding my groove again. I'm also really looking forward to my monthly chat with Patreon supporters uh, that are at that level on Saturday. It is so energizing and grounding at the same time to connect with other unschoolers. And speaking of which, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Chelsea, publisher of Rosemary Homeschool Magazine. Hi, Chelsea. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it allows me to spend time creating episodes each week and also to share the podcast archive, which is almost 200 episodes, for free with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Renee. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Renee Kibatic. Hi, Renee. Hello, Pam. <laughs> Just a little bit of an introduction. I really enjoyed meeting Renee and her family at a homeschooling conference a few years ago. And I saw that you recently spoke at Free to Be in Arizona, right? Yes. Very sweet. Well, I am very happy that she agreed to join me for a chat on the podcast. And to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Sure. Uh, first thing is I'm a little nervous, so forgive me being oh. on video and audio recording. A little nervous. Um, let's see. Uh, a little bit about my family. So Chris and I met and fell in love and decided we had this five-year plan and we we're going to finish our educations and then start a family. Well, we, surprise, got pregnant with twins. So, <laughs> and so we just... <laughs> So we decided um, to put him, finish putting him through school, and then the idea was I was going to finish school, and then we were going to take turns um, with someone staying home with them all the time, right? That was important to Chris. 
But he was able to get his engineering degree, and that's way more lucrative than my anthropology degree (laughs) that I never completed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And also I was breastfeeding. And so the plan kind of morphed a little bit into I'm going to stay home with them. And the unschooling didn't come until they were about six because what started out was just I wanted to be with them. And then, and you know, gentle parenting, co-sleeping, extended breastfeeding, that kind of thing, um, just kind of naturally flowed into looking at different alternative education things. And like I toured preschools around the area. I went to Waldorf and Montessori and the local preschools through the university where the child development specialists were working. And, and it, none of it seemed as good as what we were already doing at home. Yeah. Cause we were already having just such a good time, you know? So we just, it just kind of, we were like, well, let's just keep them home another year. Okay. Well now they're really getting fun. Let's keep them home another year. <laughs> and so it just happened really naturally for us. And then I think it was actually a life is good unschooling conference right here in our town. And someone suggested that I look into it, but I really didn't think we were suited to like, I, I was like, this is totally weird what we're doing. But when I went there and met other people, I was like, oh, it's not that weird. Other people are doing this. So it was cool. Oh, yeah, that is really interesting. <laughs> so you were, so had you heard the term unschooling before you kind of, before somebody suggested life is good to you? No. Uh, no, no, <laughs> not really. And they just kind of recognized guess, it, eh? <laughs> well, I guess I kind of thought of it in a negative way initially. Mm-hmm. Um, because I actually kind of had negative preconceptions about homeschooling too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Chris who want, he had a neighbor when he was a kid growing up and he would go on the bus and go to school and he would see that neighbor playing in his yard because he was homeschooled. And so he told me when we met, he was like, I really want my kids to be homeschooled. And I was like, no, because I thought homeschoolers were people that were trying to keep their children from the world, protect them from information about other people and cultures and other religions. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's not for us. Right. Mm -hmm. And I really initially went into it just thinking we were, cause we'd gone to some, I actually went to some homeschooling. um, What are they called? Curriculum fairs. Oh yeah. And I, and I met like the people that don't believe in that dinosaurs existed and you know like some people that were very restrictive on their children like Mm -hmm. no television no video games no pants no like only wearing skirts for the girls things like that and I was just like boy this is not us I don't know we're just alone in a sea of people that we're never gonna connect with right Mm -hmm. and then that that first life is good unschooling conference really blew my mind I was like oh my gosh there is and that's where I actually learned of John Holt and, you know, some of the other people um, to read about and learn about. Well, yeah. that's, that's so interesting that, that a conference was kind of your first introduction into, into the whole world. That's fascinating. So uh, how old are the twins now, just out of curiosity? They're 18. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so. Yeah, I used to, when... When yeah. they were much younger, I used to be like, I can't wait until I can talk about unschooling to other people. But I was so busy with them that I was like, I don't have time for that. And now they're 18. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can actually talk about it. And I I feel bolstered because I have this p- proof in the pudding, right? I can say, look, look, 
it worked. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that that is such a, a great point that because there's there is that on one hand that comfort level. Um and that I and I know that process, you know, you, you're like you know, it, it's about you Ha, proof, I guess, is is kind of the, but you know, what what is proof? You know that whole kind of question, right? 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 right. You know, there is that comfort level to at least knowing, you know, okay, you, just to the point where it worked for us. It has worked for us. Yeah. You know, no matter what direction it takes, I'm comfortable with the choices we made, and here's where we are. Right? But then like you said, whatever worked. Yeah. means right and yeah, whatever exactly. like how you define success and yeah. um just honestly so they don't need me as much yeah. <laughs> so I have time to think about these things now <laughs> well that's the other piece too right like because I remember yeah. I spoke I had my first editor like my first my unschooling editor um Alex on the podcast we talked about my first book which is a little thing right like twenty five thousand yeah. words maybe but it took us like a year and a half to edit going back and forth, so a year, year and a half, just because our kids came first. She's an unschooling mom too, right? Yep. So time, yep. Right? You, you don't really have the time, a lot of time to, you know, um, do things other than hey, uh, supporting your kids, doing things with your kids, engaging with your kids, unschooling basically, right? Yes, together. exactly. You know, because I remember that was always the balance as in, you know, well, I, I like to think of it more as flow, but it's like, okay, there, there, there were times when we didn't even hear from each other for a month, six weeks, because we were just busy <laughs> doing things. But that was the point. We trusted each other and we said from the outset, you know, our families and our kids and our unschooling come first. Absolutely. When we get a moment, we can, we'll, we'll do our little thing and get back in touch with each other. But yeah, no, that's so interesting. So yeah, it's nice to see that you're out and about sharing some more about your, your experiences at conferences now yourself. Yeah. Was I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I actually really enjoy it. The, my most favorite part of it is um, frequently afterwards, teens will come up to me and just have this grateful look on their face and like their parent will be standing right next to them and they're just like, thank you so much. And the parent's like, yeah, thank you. That was really helpful. You know, like it eased my fears and my worries and yeah. And it just, I'm like, oh, if I help one person like that, that makes the whole nervousness and preparation worthwhile. All of it. Yeah, no, no, that's such yeah. a great point. Cause it, it, it is those, those little connections, right. That yeah. it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm glad that was helpful in that, in, in that yeah. moment. Cause that's all that kind of matters in that moment. Cause they're just going to take that seed with them, right. Whatever they do with it, they have it now. Right. And I have so many people like that, that I looked up to, you know, I remember like, seeing um, Pam Soroshian and Rose Soroshian do a talk together yeah. and it happened to be on fears. And I was like blown away to see a mother and a teen daughter just speaking openly and, um, and, and really just, just being super connected together and honest about the realities of the fears they each had as they went through the process. Mm -hmm. And it was just great. That's awesome. <laughs> speaking of fears and stretching comfort zones. Let's go there. <laughs> That's one of my specialties, apparently. 
many long time unschooling parents, I, I would say, you know, most slash all <laughs> have a story around learning the value and how how important it's been for, for them as a parent even to stretch their comfort zones. And often that's sparked by, say, one of our kids being interested in something that maybe we're not comfortable with or we don't know much about um, and, and we're feeling uncomfortable and maybe even fearful, right? So I was wondering if you have one of those stories you could share with us. I have so many. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I, I've been focusing lately on the progression of my daughter Zume's horseback riding career, um, in part because it's resulted in some really amazing things, right? That by anyone's definition, they could call success. But but I, I'm tempted to go, you know, there were moments when I was scared of all the video gaming or how much time they were spending, um, you know, focused on one thing, like, um, because they're, they, I have deep divers, right? They go into something and it's just all the time, all day. And, and so I can relate when people say that they're scared or, or, you know, that they're like, what value do Disney channel shows have for your kid? Right. Um, tons of value, let me tell you, (laughs) but, uh, I'll tell you the story of the horseback riding because, because it's just, it's so fascinating. So I grew up, um, afraid of horses. I've always been afraid, like pathologically afraid. Um, I, when I was very little, my mother told me a story, my mother and aunts and like family are all horse people. Mm -hmm. And she told me a story of being in the barn when her dad, I think was scooping and she kept poking her head around and the horse was the back of the horse was where her face was. And the dad and her dad kept saying, um, uh, her father who I never met. So this is a story, you know, about a man that I never met a relative, um, you know, you better quit it, Carol, quit it. And she kept doing it. And something about her swinging her head and her pigtail, like spooked the horse and the horse kicked back and hit her right in the shit in the chin. And she had a scar from it her whole life. Mm-hmm. So that was the story I got about horses as a very little kid. And it apparently impacted me greatly because from then on, I was like, they're terrible, scary beasts. And I, I have to avoid them. Yeah. I, I wonder now if that was my mom's way of being like, let's not get into horses. It's an expensive hobby and a lifestyle choice that she didn't want to pursue as an adult, but whatever. Um, so then when my, when we lived in this rural town, we moved from Portland to Corvallis and it's, it's a college town. It's kind of rural though. Uh, wherever we drive, there'd be, you know, horses out in the fields and Zume would just vibrate in her car seat. Like from 15 months on, she would kick her legs and squeal and point and, um, I remember trying to point out other animals like, well, yeah, look at the cows, look at the goats, look at the birds. Like, let's try to find other, but horses were like special. And at about five, she started asking. And I was just, I mean, I just wanted to put the brakes on it. I remember asking other moms like, okay, ugh, how do I, how do I do this? Like, I don't want to do this. Um, and it was through a mutual contact who also was a unschooling mom who knew another mom who was unschooling her kids and that daughter was starting to give horseback riding lessons at their house and their, you know, their stables in their backyard. Mm -hmm. So it was a very relaxed situation and they were connected through the homeschooling, unschooling world um, and scouting and other, you know, kind of recommendations. So I was like, okay, maybe we'll check it out. 
And at this point in Zume's life, she was about six. She refused to wear shoes. So I, call, I, I called several barns in the area, including this one that was recommended. And all the other barns were like, no way. If she doesn't wear shoes, she can't come. But this particular barn, and the woman's name is Robin Houck, um, she was like, well, you know, shoes are important for these reasons, but just have her come and meet the horses and we'll talk. And she just had this wonderful, relaxed, calming way about her. And so we showed up and I carried Zume around, you know, with no shoes on and we met the horses. And um, and it was really soon after that she connected, like that day she connected with Robin and Robin explained why she needed to wear shoes and Zume was willing to wear shoes. So that was the beginning. And even through this time, I remember just thinking to myself, like, it'll eventually fade away, like so many interests do, right? Yeah. Eventually, she'll get her fill. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I met a woman who actually said to me, um, you know, you don't have to support this. My daughter was interested in horses, but I don't want to be a horse mom. So I just said, no, you have that right. She like was trying to give me permission to say no. And I just really, you know, for me, searching my feelings, that doesn't sit right. You know, my children are other human beings, right? They're not my property. And so I was like, but this gives her, she is so lit up, like at the barn, she was like a different person. It was amazing. Um, And so for a couple years, she did lots of lessons. Um, And again, and this comes to the point of like, prioritizing their passions that can be expensive, right? And figuring out ways. We were very low income at the time. And it was really surprising to people that we would pursue this, what is commonly known as like an expensive interest. It can be an expensive interest. I'm not going to lie. But we figured out ways, you know, we offered to do things at the barn to get discounts. We would do two lessons backed up against each other. So less of her time was spent getting ready and tacking up and more time on the horse learning things, right? Mm -hmm. And we would just talk to Robin, you know, if we had a rough section of time, we'd be like, Robin, you know us, you know, we're there, we'll be there. Like, can you give us a little leeway this month? And she was so cool about it. And so we managed to pay for it and pursue it. Um, and there were a couple quick incidents. One time it was the horse's birthday party and Zume went to give one of her favorite horses, Gabe, a peppermint. And she, when she reached out her, the jacket um, sleeve hit the electric fence. And so Gabe got a little shock when he touched her hand and he jumped back and he didn't want to take the peppermint. He was really scared. And she just collapsed and just sobbed and sobbed for the rest of the day. And I, you know, I went to Rob and I said, I I think we got to go, you know, and she was like, it's, it's okay. I understand. And so we went home and I think that was one of those light bulb moments for me where I was like, this is like super big for her this is her relationship to these horses is so important. Um, And then another moment was as she was getting a little more advanced and cantering and doing more exciting things, I would come and watch and um, I couldn't help myself. I'd be standing at the edge and I'd go, (gasps) and I wouldn't know, you know, like what the horse was thinking or doing. And so I would inhale and I would look shocked and I would back up and, I put my hands on my heart and stuff. And um, so even though Robin to this day does not remember this conversation, uh, I recall it very vividly. (laughs) She was like, 
So um, it might be better if you waited in the car (laughs) because the horses are reading my message that there's something to be afraid of. And so for years and years, I just was, I would just drop her off little, you know, seven-year-old Zume, just drop her off at the edge. She'd open the gate and I'd drive away. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, I think that was the best thing for both of us. (laughs) So she was able to pursue that without my fears being like laid on top of all of it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So how how is it now? How is your fear level now? Oh man. So she has not only pursued horseback, but some of the most exciting and dangerous horseback styles you can think of, right? Um, Drill team, vaulting, trick riding. Um, We went to see Odysseo, uh, which is a subset of Cavalia, which is that um, mm-hmm. like circus performing horse show that travels around. That was another moment for me where I had like a, whoa, this, because I love theater. And I was always sad that my kids didn't get involved in performance in theater. So seeing my love and her love combined was oh, like, wow. oh, I, cr- <laughs> I cried the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I love this so much. <laughs> um, and then she so and then she started teaching and she they the barn has a program where they rescue horses and then train them and then either sell them or they become lesson horses um so she just developed all these skills and it's just really impressive to see her at the barn like when i go to the barn now um i'm not afraid because i just trust her i trust that she knows her own abilities and her horses. And she has these great relationships with all the horses and with all the people at the barn. Um, And then when she turned 18, the day after she turned 18, she bought her own horse. And so that has been amazing too, because, you know, you just feel different about your own horse. And Rory is able to be this horse that I can like really slowly get to know and spend time with and learn about. And we went camping together and I got to hear Rory like neighing in the night and wake up and see her in the morning. And it just has changed me. Like I love Rory and I, I love the relationship she has with Zume and how happy she makes Zume. Like Zume comes home now and she's like, Rory is the cutest thing. Guess what she did today? And she'll tell me stories of how she learned a new trick or she behaved, you know, so well within, with someone new in the arena I don't know. It's just really seeing Zume light up, I think, is what's changed my feelings about horses. Wow. That's spectacular. <laughs> I, I love hearing all the different pieces of the journey, right? I mean, the the first part of of seeing how she lit up and just taking that step to call around to Barnes and showing up yourself. And then, you know, the, the realizing... Um, how it's better for you to be in the car for a while, you know, as in, <laughs> as in seeing like you were, even though you were uh, uncomfortable or would get nervous, you know, and react, you were still there for her to explore that interest. And you figured out a way that yeah. it still worked for both of you, even if it was you not being around for a while. You had gotten to a point where you trusted Robin and, and the barn enough, right? Yeah. And, and Zume yeah. was comfortable enough that she was comfortable with you going as well, right? It's yeah. All, yeah. all just part of that flow, isn't it? And checking in with each yes. other and with the environment that you're in and getting to a place where 
you're you're comfortable with that next step and understand what that next step is. And then now you're um, more involved again. You've seen it connect with your interests. And now with her own, uh, it's just a beautiful story, like how over the years that can flow. And years. how happy are you now that you started that, that you didn't at the beginning say, you know, it's it's all right if I say no to that. Well, I would just, if I had done that, I just would have set up this horrible block between Zume and I, you know, that would have thwarted her. Yeah. Um, there was a moment when she fell at a performance, actually. We were there. They would do these end of the, you know, season performances to show what they'd worked on. And she was standing on the back of a horse. And the horse happened to be facing away from the audience and the audience all clapped in excitement for it. Well, that was new to the horse. And so um, the horse like, you know, moved differently than she expected. And it was just really amazing to see her, like that actually helped me. I know it sounds terrible, but seeing her fall and how skilled she was at falling, how careful she was with her horse and her body. um, And it just honestly looked graceful. I was so impressed. I was like, wow, okay. If, if, you know, and then she was able to hop right back on and I, I, that helped me. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that is part of the whole picture, right? It is understanding all those pieces that things don't have to go perfectly for things to be okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's such a, that's yeah. such a big point. It's the, the bigger piece too. And you just reminding me because Michael worked at medieval times for a couple of years and he ended up being a knight on the horses and hearing his stories oh, wow. about the horses and how they had to work with them, you know, because of the audience and the audience reactions and all the lights and the smoke and all the stuff that are part yes, of yeah. the show. And he would come home talking about the personalities of each of the individual horses and, you know, that moment when he when they asked him to train with, you know, the most difficult horse and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's really fascinating. It's a it's a, an amazing world, isn't it? It is. It is a whole world. Yeah. Love it. Exactly, exactly. So you mentioned a little bit earlier about video games and things like that. That is another kind of stretchy area. We see questions quite often about parents who are concerned about technology, right? So I was hoping you might be able to share a little bit about how technology, TV, video games, YouTube, those kind of things wove through your unschooling days. <laughs> um, this question is such an interesting one for me because it there were things like the horses that were difficult for me and then things like food and video games that were not difficult for me. Mm-hmm. So um, where do I start? Maybe because I, Chris and I both loved gaming before we had children, Um, both with like board game, table gaming and video games. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved television. He loved television, right? This was just part of our life. So the idea when they were young, I remember, you know, parenting manuals and other parents saying proudly, my child doesn't even know we have a TV. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Like you keep the TV a secret or something. And for us, it was just television and video games. And then YouTube was coming, you know, coming into the picture. We're just part of the many choices we made every day of things to do. Right. So, and they were, they were super useful for things like downtime. Um, 
uh, resting in between activities, um, sharing things. Like even to this day, each of us has a connection that we watch a certain shows together, right? So mm -hmm. Chris and Zume watch Bones together and, you know, the family was started watching uh, Firefly together and, you know, but we have just hundreds of stories like that. Yeah. Um, and over the years too, all of the activities we got involved in, like YouTube was so useful for looking up how to do things, um, how to buy a new game. How do you play this game? Right. You've got, uh, the what is Will Smith? Um, oh, the guy he does <laughs> tabletop gaming. Oh, he's from Star Trek. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Thank you. I kept wanting to say Will Smith. I'm like, that's not right. That's how my brain works when I'm nervous. It like clenches up. Uh, and and oh oh my gosh, we so because my husband is in a band called the Marimbas, uh, Maharimbas, and he played Marimbas in the Maharimbas. Um, we would go to festivals and, you know, be in the local um, Da Vinci days and the parades and stuff like that. And so the kids got involved in like circus arts. And so what better place to look at like, what's the next level to learn in your juggling or your stilting or your hula hooping than YouTube it was such a great resource, right? Um, yeah. And TV, I mean, we watched every Disney channel, original um, Hannah Montana, uh, Sweet Life with Zach and Cody, That's So Raven, every episode. <laughs> Loved all of those, right? Yeah. Um, those are like, to me, those were so great because even if in the moment I might get annoyed with like the sixth viewing of a particular episode, <laughs> I was, we were having awesome conversations that were being brought up by things that would happen on the TV, right? Mm -hmm. And there were um, so many times when I would notice that they were noticing things that I wasn't even paying attention to. Like Zume used to notice when in Gilmore Girls, the characters would wear the same clothes many seasons later. She would be like, oh, you know, Lorelai wore that cardigan in the second season and now Rory's wearing it here. And I was like, I wasn't even paying that close attention, you know? Yeah, that's spectacular. Um, <laughs> yeah, like TV was just, I don't know, again, we just, I mean, every day there was something we were doing, you know, swimming, biking, skating, um, jump rope, chalking, uh, having friends over, nerf battles. We did um, gaming. Every week we would have a gaming, uh, video gaming, like, gathering, and our friends would bring their, like, not their, just their laptops, but, like, their towers to our house and set up around our yeah. kitchen table. And the gaming was why we got together, but they would jump up and eat and run outside and shoot, you know, bows and arrows in the backyard or jump on the trampoline or, um, you know, we lived really close to a park. So they would attach the wagons and the bikes all together and take a train ride to the park and swing and play on the bars or whatever. But like, it wasn't, we never demonized any one choice or even put like, judgment on any one choice that it was less than the other choices and I think as a result to this day still they're just fun awesome things we do tools we use um they've never been like afraid to tell me like there have been times where Zume is like I want to google something but I'm nervous of the results will you google it first and let me know like that it's yeah. <laughs> that the pictures aren't scary or um you know, can you just find the answer to my one little question? I don't want to have to wade through all of that garbage. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. So.
that's amazing. I love the way it just weaves in, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I I know some people are concerned when they're when that seems to be their kid's passion. Like you were talking about, your kids do. Some kids are really into doing the deep dive into one thing, right? But yeah. So okay. Xander, yeah, like Xander got really into um, computing and gaming and coding. Mm-hmm. And we actually found a friend and we paid him to come over once a week uh, and they would sit and code together. And he was teaching him what he knew. He's old, much older, um, teaching what he knew. And after a while, Xander was like, okay, I, I've got enough out of this. And now he, he really wants you to learn how to code. And so they set up a date once a week to code, but she's super busy and it hasn't happened. And now she's like, okay, if you learn to ride a horse, I'll learn to code. And they have this funny, like, thing going on right now but um sorry my computer just did something (laughs) no problem speaking of computers but yeah (laughs) fascinating like that like Michael is very much into coding right now and and Joseph's working on pixel art and he and I are working on story you know so we're all kind of working together and we'll see where something may go but it's it's so fascinating that way, isn't it? Right? What they for it to just be a part of your lives, and and I think that's where our work is, um, in just getting to the point where we understand where where we're comfortable or more comfortable with just seeing it as another tool, right? So often, you know, you get into the whole kind of screen discussion, but so many different things are technology-based, right? And there's just... Or can be improved by technology. So if you say no technology at all, you're actually cutting off a way that it could be better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. That's so fun. And and I love the, the connecting pieces too, because you're right. You, you can tell what we have older kids, right? With, with Lissy, yeah. watch Supernatural, <laughs> right? That, that was what we yeah, were with yeah. And uh, with Michael, it was Doctor Who. He was always very science <gasps> and has always been science, yes. space, all that kind of stuff. So that's that yeah. Doctor Who with him. With Joseph, Rock and I just like last night finished watching this, a series of uh, Let's Play videos for a video mm-hmm. game for um, that's awesome Outer Wild. So we've been watching that over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we finished it last night and yes, there were tears at the end of the game, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's so fun. It can be connecting as long as we're willing to meet them there and connect with them over it. Right. If we try to get rid of that judgment piece and just say, Hey, I'm just going to be open to this. Let's see. We can find places to connect. Right. When I first saw Doctor Who, I was horrified by the terrible special effects and the cheesiness <laughs> of it and like just the Britishness of it, you know? Yeah. But Xander was so into it and I was like, okay, let's do this. And we dove into that show and I love it. And for a while, that's all of our clothes were Doctor Who like inspired t-shirts. And I made yeah. a joke that when we quit watching this, we'll have nothing to wear <laughs> because we were, we just loved all the characters and we dressed up as the characters for Halloween. And yeah, we just, I, it was such a great show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. And I totally disagree with the idea that it's isolating. 
Um, Mm-hmm. Again, because we were there doing it with them, it was connecting for us, mm-hmm. bet- just between us and our family. But also, it's literally been the way my kids have made most of their friends and stayed connected to their friends as, as they've moved around, you know? Yeah. And they spend a lot of time with their buddies um, online. And it's, you know, I come into their room and I'll be like, who are you on with? I mean, that's like, the, that's the question, right? Who are you on with? Oh, like they list off like six people, you know, yeah. and they're all hanging out together. It's so connecting. Yeah. And I, I really think that's, that's the parent's choice, right? You know, yeah. whether or not they're going to connect with their child through that technology, you know, whatever it is that their interest, it's really connecting with them around their interests, Right. Because it's yeah, not the, the technology is the tool. What is it that they're interested in? They're interested in connecting with somebody. They're interested in this game, the TV show. They're, you know, whatever it is, even if it's that downtime, connecting with them, relaxing and enjoying yes. entertainment. There is nothing wrong with entertainment either, right? We don't have... Yes, relaxing. Exactly. <laughs> We joke, we joke because my husband actually has trouble relaxing. He Mm. cannot relax. And so it's actually something that I'm like, you know, being able to relax and enjoy time off is a valuable skill. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I mean, the the connecting piece is another big thing. You you mentioned um, learning things too. It just, I remember Michael made a comment, oh, months ago now, because a lot of his tricking and parkour stuff, and um, and I remember even when he was doing weapons and things at the dojo, they were had been talking about how the skill level in general has increased for everybody because they have access to you and they can see pe- other people yes. doing these tricks and doing things there. Oh, I want to be able to do that. Right. It's very yeah. inspirational for people um, who are interested in that thing, whatever it is. And it, it in general just raised everybody's kind of level and enjoyment of the sport, whichever um, because they were able to see other things and be inspired and practice and get, you can, you know, cause they're usually talking about how they did that and, and what their tips and tricks are and everything. So that, that's another great aspect of it, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like democratized. So everyone has access to it and it's not like some elite thing that only people that, you know, it's like secrets. Right. And there's a kind of innovation, right? Everyone's innovating. So all the sports like, well, what if we tried this? And what if we tried that? We can make it better and more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, you see, you see it all. That's why, I mean, anything that you're interested in, you can search on YouTube pretty much. And I think find anything, I know my husband enjoys watching it for just just any kind of thing that he's interested in from, you know, from solar to, you know, repair to yes. things. Anyway, yes, yes. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. You, I think we could talk all day. Honestly. I know. I, like, I'm sure, <laughs> sure we could. Um, okay. I know. I like this one too. Another one of the really valuable paradigm shifts that, that I remember. It was a big one for me. Um, is around the idea of quitting because I remember, I remember, you know, when my kids were young trying to, you know, cajole them to continue with something, you know, finish those swimming lessons or, you know, whatever it was that, that we had, that I felt we had committed to, because it seemed like 
I was doing a bad job as a parent, it would be seen as a failure if my kids quit something or, you know, if they quit this thing, they're going to quit everything. They'll always give up when things um, get hard or something like that, right? All the stories we kind of conventionally tell ourselves, but there's definitely another way to look (laughs) at quitting, isn't there? (laughs) Oh my gosh. First of all, I think quitting is such a huge success. I love when, (laughs) when quitting happens because I think there's so much to be learned about yourself and there, oh man. (laughs) And let me tell you, kids, kids will do really hard things when they want to, and they'll stay committed to it. Even when I, the parent am going, you can take a break from this, please. Like, I, I see that this is really hard for you. Um, but if they want it, they'll be like, no, I want to do this. And they'll, they'll do it. Yeah. Um, so the story is kind of wrapped up with the whole college story. Uh, but I'll, tr- I'll kind of skip to the part. So um, in our town, there's a program where kids can, who have never gone to school can go to the community college and earn their high school diploma and their associate's degree together for free. And everything's paid for, books, everything. So it's a, it's a nice program. And I talked about it with them and um, they had a friend do it. And so first you may tried it. And then after a term or two, I think Xander was like, okay, I want to try it. Um, which is part and parcel for their whole life together. Like she would try something and then he'd go, oh, okay, that's, that's something I want to do too. And he tried for a little bit. So after a term, um, he said he was quitting. And, you know, I was so impressed with the things he said as we talked about his decision for quitting. First of all, they both got really good grades, not that it matters, but people who are nervous like to hear that, right? Yeah. Um, they got all A's and, you know, I actually, I was like encouraging Zume to not get an A so that she could not be so stressed about always getting A's. I was like, you need to just get over this, right? <laughs> um, but so he didn't quit because it was too hard or because it was, you know, he didn't succeed. He chose to quit and he said, you know, the only reason to do this program is because it's free. And that's not reason enough for me to be stressed and miserable. And he thought about a lot of things regarding college. And he was like, the definition of full time is really just there for funding. It's not really a a good match for my life. And like, he didn't like how, and oh, the other thing he said that was so great was, you know, each professor expects you, you know, even says to you, my class is the most important. This should be a priority. But he was like, when I'm focused on one thing, you know, I can't be focused on four to six other intense things. Like I want to be able to focus on one thing and not be failing in other things. And it really, for him, it just, the way it worked didn't work for him. And he made that decision. And promptly signed up for and achieved his scuba certification license. He um, rebuilt a Subaru Outback engine. So now he has a car in the driveway. Um, He, I mean, the things he pursued, it was like, it just suddenly became very clear to me that the way college is set up maybe just doesn't match for him right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just a really good choice for him. He started woodworking in our garage and he wants to make a, a kayak. He's like in the process, there's wood shavings and wood pieces all over. (laughs) So doing that project. Um, And he's always been uh, a gardener and a baker and he bakes, he loves to make all his food from complete scratch. So like, you know, pasta from scratch and pizza and 
udon noodles and just whatever thing he's fascinated with he'll he'll just die, again dive deep into figuring out like all the different ways and the best ways and stuff um and so seeing that choice in him it really made me realize too like in my life the moments where I've decided, oh, man, I was stuck on that idea that you had to stick with something forever. Mm-hmm. And what a mistake that was and how I judged myself as a failure for not achieving some goal with that I had set up previously within the parameters of that um, pursuit, right? Mm-hmm. And looking back on that, like I, that's one of the benefits. Sander does not think of himself as a failure. And I love that. Like he's not, you know, and, and I wasn't either. I changed what I wanted and changing what you wanted is about learning who you are and that's a success. So I don't know. I just think it's such a great thing to be, to support and encourage and like, you know, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe quitting is good and let's stop, let's stop doing this thing and do something else or let's add, you know, sometimes an activity or a pursuit will be like a stepping stone to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I think if we, if we say, well, you can't quit, then we're saying, well, you know, we're stopping them from saying, oh, wait, but I want to step to this next thing. Yeah. yeah. It's almost, yeah, you're right. It's like almost stunting or stopping their growth. Yes. Thwar- thwarting, the word thwarting keeps coming to mind. Yeah, that's a good um, one. Because it's really like that idea, you know, first we do no harm. Well, I think it can be really harmful when we're thwarting them or stopping them because because I do believe that learning happens naturally and that they are, you know, interested in the world and they're going to pursue things, whether, you know, the, my job is to just kind of get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I mean, we can, it's so interesting to think about it that way. In and I always love the image, like, cause when you see them engaged in things and just exploring things and trying them out, like you're talking about how Zume lights up, you know, you saw her lighting up around horses, you know, and then there are other things that they try and, you know, they do fine by outer standards, like you were saying, but look how much they've learned about themselves and how that doesn't mesh with the way they would like they want their days to go, you know, um, and yeah. it's getting in their their way. Like you could see so clearly looking now how the way the, the college was set up versus how Xander likes to dive deep into singular interests at one time, you know, how that just yeah. mesh for him, right? And- it never meshed with him when we, we tried scouting and they did the same thing. They would like blow a horn and you were supposed to switch activities. And he'd yeah. be like, no, I'm busy with this <laughs> magnet project right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, that is the beautiful thing too. When you um, watch natural learning in action, right? I mean, you see how it works for each child individually. And yes, there are definitely people for whom they, you know, like to grab a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and a little bit of this. Yes. That yeah. lights them up to like, oh, 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 you know. And for some other people, it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to sink right into that until I've had my my fill, right? And yep. that's where the quitting is, is, is when they've realized they've had their fill, no matter where, you know, maybe they've been doing it for five years, five or five weeks, you know, they've gotten to the point where they've kind of hit as much 
as they want out of it. And to see them in that moment and to see how, I was going to say how clearly they know, but you know, you still have conversations about it that helps them process and become more clear about it. But that self-awareness is so wonderful, isn't it? And we learn, I know I've learned from that by watching my kids because it, it kind of gives us permission, as you were saying. It's like, oh, I'm not a failure because I did that. I just changed, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like you said, a lot of it can be happening internally too. So you might not see it and you might have worries like, oh, what if you know they're doing it for the wrong reasons or whatever. But um, yeah, I just, there've been so many stories like, I remember Zume was like super um, into swimming for a while. Both of them were, but they, they noticed Zume was so good at swimming and, you know, the swim coaches and they were like, we want her on the team. We want her on the team. And there was no thinking about it for her. She was just like, no, I don't want to do that. And I was like, are you sure? Are you sure this, this is a great opportunity. It's, you know, and she was just like, nope, I don't want to do it. And it's, and she's, a, they're both great swimmers to this day. They love swimming, but going to the swimming pool at 5 a.m. and swimming for two hours every day was not something she wanted to do. <laughs> well, isn't I, that always um, made me smile too. And in the realization that, you know, for so many of us, we've been brought up chasing that status. Yes. Right? I, I remember um, being completely overwhelmed in school, trying to do everything, yeah. trying to do everything, totally overwhelmed not given permission to say, no, I don't want to do that. Even if someone else thinks I'd be good at it, mm -hmm. you know, I get to, you know, like the fact that they know that they get to choose what they want to do because that's what they enjoy doing. That's a huge success right there as a parent. Right. Mm -hmm. I just feel like, yeah, you know, when to quit something when it's not for you. Yeah, good. exactly. And that, that it's okay and you can shift and that's all valuable. I love that. Yeah. It's a big yeah. thing. It's a really big thing. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump to the college a little bit because you, you kind of brought okay. it up there as well. Um, I'd love to hear a college story or two because that's another common concern, isn't it? When people come to unschooling that if you choose unschooling, you're kind of closing off that door for, for your kids. So can you share a story or two about that? Yeah. Uh, I've touched on it a little bit already. Um, yeah you know, the, the free college opportunity in our town. Um, but some of the interesting things, you know, through that process were, um, you know, the night before, so then I, she asked me about it. Could I do it? And I called, um, the counselor at the high school to ask her, you know, about the dates and stuff. And the woman was like, um, the test is tomorrow. She would have to test tomorrow to get in. And Zume had never tested before. And so I, you know, I thought she'd say no way. And I asked her and she said, yeah, let's do it. So without any preparation or anything, you know, that night we kind of talked a little bit about stuff because we discovered that she wasn't super familiar with like math notation <laughs> or mathematical language, even though you know, you feel like you use it all the time, but um, then you discover things like maybe we didn't use the word takeaway know or or we use takeaway but we didn't use subtract, subtract or something like that yeah 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 so there, so there were some things that she was unfamiliar with and um you know she she just was like it's fine we'll, we'll just do it um and so she went in and took the test and the when we got the results the counselor was looking at me with all this like 
sorry, mom, you know, to tell us the results. And when she told us the results, I was thrilled. I was so happy. I was clapping. I was like, yay, you know, <laughs> you did it. Uh, and, and she tested in the math 50. Um, and yeah, it was just, I don't, I don't know how to explain to you that process, except that she wanted it. And so even as I was like, you know, she would come home and she'd have her nest on the couch and we kept doing the same things we did the whole, their whole lives, right? Just supporting them and providing them with what they asked for. And so, um, and just being there if they had questions or whatever, and she would have a hard time. She would cry. It would be really hard. And I would be like, you don't have to do this. You know, you don't, this is, this is really uncomfortable and it's hard to see a kid <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but she would say, no, I want to do this. I know I can do this. And she did. And in 10 weeks, she learned what, you know, you need to know to get into the next math class. And um, by the time Xander took the test, she was going into math 95. He also tested into math 50, but he went home and he spent two weeks on YouTube or whatever, learning what he wanted to learn, went back and took the test again and tested into math 95. So they were able to take that math class together. together. Um, yeah. And, and writing too, like, um, you know, prior to this, the most she had really written were texts to me, right? Wasn't much writing going on. That just wasn't an interest. But in one term of college, she was writing term papers and she was writing, um, you know, essays. And they were, the professors were like, can I use your essay next year to tell the students what I want? This is so, so great. And it just, looking back now, like in the, in the moment, I remember being like, whoa, this is tough. This is hard. Like, are we going to be able to do this? But looking back now, it just seems really like it was very easy. Like, they just did it. They just decided to do it and they did it. Like so many other things, right? Once they decide they want to do something, they do it. Um, and, you know, now she's, she works part-time. She teaches horseback riding. She goes, she, the idea, the, that funny idea that people have where they won't get up in the morning to go to the things is just so absurd, right? She keeps her own schedule. Um, she goes to class. She prefers 8 a.m. classes. Like the earlier the class, the better because she likes to get home so she can like set up her study nest and um, get her homework done and then go to her job. And then, yeah, she just has this great attitude about it. And I don't know, it just seems easy now. <laughs> well, you know, that's so, so, but I remember those years where I was like, I hope we're not setting them up to not get to do something they want to do. Right. I remember that question of like, I hope, and I just trusted some of the other kind of big names like you and um, Joyce Federal and Pam Sorosian and like, and knowing Pam's three daughters all went to college and just kind of trusted for a while, but still had that worry inside me. Like, I don't know, maybe we didn't do enough. Maybe we didn't play the right games. Maybe we didn't, you know, um, but now that they, they've done it, it just feels like, oh, that was a silly worry. If they want it, they'll do it. It's so true, I think. I mean, absolutely. I remember I remember those worries and, and getting to the point where, you know, okay, there's there are other ways that we can do it if that's something that they want to do. Yeah, you want to make sure that you're not closing these doors on them. 
right? Right. So, right. I mean, absolutely, yeah. you can understand those questions. But, you know, that's a nice thing about having these conversations later when, when you can see. I mean, the, the fascinating thing is that because just because they didn't go to school, even if they test into, like, I don't even know what testing into Math 50 is, but... <laughs> But, you know, even if it's basics math, like the lady giving you this look like you should feel bad or something about this, it's like, no way, because it's not like they were, like we said at the beginning, they're not sitting in a closet for years doing nothing right. and not doing math, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Are doing so much, like from knowing themselves and understanding themselves and pursuing things that they want through the hard times and quitting things and moving to other things, like. And then learning what the things that they're actually interested in at the time, you know, they're just showing up in this moment at this college test the next day. That's an awesome story. You know, just like <laughs> something I want to try. You know, maybe they, they quit in six weeks or whatever, but they're showing up for the moment like they have always done. And yeah. like the whole word, you know, term of remedial math Sure, that makes sense maybe in the sense of a student who's gone through the system, you know, that they should have learned. They had been taught this, uh, you know, before. But, you know, there is no behind Which, for an unschooling student, you know, who shows exactly, up. Exactly. And it, doing other things. Right? And it just so speaks to the idea that the teaching element of that equation is less important than the learning element of that equation. And if these students, if these classes exist, it's because so many students who went through 12, 12 years of schooling aren't getting that information because it, they aren't interested. They're not ready. Yeah. It's not, they're not open to it's that right then anyway. So, in, the, yeah. in that one way. So, that we, so it's a huge, so it's a huge waste of time mm -hmm. to be trying to make people, you know, go through this year after year after year. It's just, it's silly. Why not do what you're, what lights you up and what you're interested in and what, or what just, you know, feels good. Why do something painful for 12 years? It's silly. <laughs> right. And, and I just love the idea that it doesn't matter. Like, you know, um, where they're starting, they're starting where they start in whatever new interest, you know? So if college is, something they want to pursue wherever they're starting. That's, that's fine. That's where they are. It doesn't matter if it takes an extra year of things because they're just accomplishing their goals. We've never judged by years, you know, a particular right. timeline, you know, her horseback riding, you know, should she have been here at the end of the first year and at the end of the second year, you know, it's only there in learning in that particular system where that's a thing really. Right. And we don't need to bring that thing with us. Right. And you get, I think when you're living in the present moment, you really are able to feel that and not worry, not fret about the past or worry about the future, but really just be right there. And I mean, Chris has an engineering degree and it took him five years mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, and that happens a lot. I know a lot of people that take five or six years or take a break in between or whatever. Um, so, so again, back to what Xander said, really that those years are really designed to, it's a financial question. That's really what it's about. It's not about how humans learn or, you know, how to optimize the amount you learn or the, how well you learn it. It's really about how to, how to afford it, how to pay for it. Yeah. So it, it really, is. and you know, 
Yeah. And from, from the, from the girl who, you know, a couple terms ago was like, what is it? What does multiplication mean? She has taken calculus now, gotten an A. Um, she's taking another calculus class, I think this term. I don't know, actually, I should ask her. Um, <laughs> and she wants to pursue biomedical engineering right now. And again, that changes all the time, which is something that as, a, as an unschooling parent, I think is really important is to just be flexible and not pigeonhole them or be like, this is what you're doing. And this is who you are, right? Um, because because there are so many doors open when you don't shut the doors. Yeah. And I think that yeah. that is a little tweak to remember too, because that is something we get used to with unschooling. Um, you know, our kids changing interest back to the, the quitting things and moving on. And when we look back, we can see the thread of how, you know, kind of one thing kind of morphed into another. And you can see how that, how the path uh, changed over the years. And, when they choose some more formal kind of learning, it's just to check ourselves that we don't get pulled back into that right. judgment, right? And that, okay, so yep. now we're not doing this anymore. We're doing this. And now we're going to adopt that whole structure and bring that judgment mm. piece back in, right? So it's that little yeah. check to say they're using this tool. College, college is a window. Just, you know, it's a way, it's a path, just like, you know, TV is a path, you, you know, whatever. Or, or joining the circus or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, it's a way to learn things, right? And, and yeah. you still keep that openness. Like you said, she comes home, she built her net, you know, it's, it's still your life. It's still, it's yeah. still your life. You guys are still in control of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, really. Cool. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so <laughs> it's so cool. Um, I just recently too have had some really lovely moments when everyone's been home, and it does feel more fleeting now. You know, like now that they're eighteen and they're starting to pursue these bigger goals, and I, it's just like, oh man, just love every moment that we're all together and chatting and sharing our interests, and yeah. Yeah, you you really you come to appreciate it, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So speaking of from this vantage point and looking back, what do you feel has kind of been the most valuable outcome from choosing unschooling all those years ago for for you? Like just personally, what what feels wonderful um, to you for having chosen this path? For me, I think the most wonderful thing is still having this really connected relationship with both my children um, on a selfish level, right? I just enjoy that we're friends and that we can talk and share interests and be happy together, right? Laughing, joking, cooking together, whatever we're doing. Um, but when I thought about this question, I thought about the benefits to them. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about me. I was thinking about, <laughs> I was totally thinking about them. I was like, the, the thing that I see over and over and over again, um, in particular in comparing their life to the lives of some of their friends or even just people I know who were, went through the school system, mm -hmm. they just have so much more of that um, self-awareness and self-efficacy is the word I learned recently. <laughs> um, 
which kind of combines like self-awareness and like self-esteem and um, it's kind of a good word, self-efficacy. Uh, and they, they aren't uh, like people pleasers. They aren't people that are bent and swayed by the trends and the tides. You know, they're, they're just really mindful and thoughtful about things. Um, and I, you can't say what it would have been like. Maybe that's a personality thing. Maybe that's uh, genetic. I don't know. But I, I do think there's something to be said for the environmental component of not having gone through the whole school, school system and having had their interests and their pursuits honored and their person respected and recognized for, you know, their, their 18 years. That's all. Yeah. That's what I see. <laughs> I mean, it's a great point that there will be definitely some personality aspects involved, but I think, you know, when you see at the, the unschooling um, teens and young adults at conferences and you see um, them engaged with other, other kids out and about in the world. I mean, that, that is a difference that I have seen many times. Right. And I do think that the environment of the lifestyle of unschooling, the time that they have, you know, um, the relationships being respected, having their interests valued and just always being treated like another human being. You know what I mean? It seems, <laughs> it seems so simple and obvious, right? It's like, <laughs> it of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> well, this makes so much sense. Just treat them like a person. <laughs> it's a little bit crazy how different it is than the mainstream and how it felt like we were doing something really radical compared to other people. When you, when we say it like it is, it's just so simple, you know? And, and but, it leads to why, you know, for you, it's been those relationships, right? Yeah. You know, you can see yeah, the really tie between what's been the most valuable for everybody. Right. Uh, and, and it's those relationships and that self-efficacy perfect word that they carry with them, right? It's, it's so beyond compulsory school years, right? It's about yeah. a human being in, in the world, isn't it? Just, and I think I just, just realized just sitting here with you that those early moments of trusting them, right? So trusting that they knew how much of a food to eat, for instance, right? Like I'm going to trust them to make that decision with their stomach. And trusting them, you know, that they know how capable they are on their bike. Okay, you're ready for the training wheels off? Let's do this. I'm going to trust that you're ready and not lay my fears and worries and concerns over you. And for me, you know, trusting the horseback riding and, um, and trusting the gaming and all of that, right? It now, like, there have been funny things recently that have happened. Um, so Zume was out one night and Chris and I went to bed and she came home and knocked our bedroom door and was like, did you not care that I didn't get home? And <laughs> we were like, you're 18. We trust you. We know you're fine. You'll let us know if you need anything. And she was like, geez, I thought you guys at least wait up for me. So, you know, it's like trust. We've learned how to trust. Like through practicing trust, we're better at trusting. And they're great at trusting. And, you know, like I think that trusting relationship is part and parcel with the respect mm -hmm. and honoring each other as people, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. the other big piece 
you know, and you talked about a little bit when you saw Zume fall off the horse, right? That it's not about trusting them to always to, to make, make the right mistakes. decision, right? You know, right, right. perfectly. It's trusting that, you know, things are going to go sideways. Things are going to go wrong. It's trusting that we can still recover from these things. That in yes. that moment, you know, she'll pop back up on the horse or, you know, we'll talk about it and we'll figure out a plan B or, you know, another way yep. through things. It's, it's trusting that they're making the best decision in the moment for them and that we can also deal with how it turns out, you know, and that's so much of their learning yeah. too, right? That experience yeah. of of life and seeing that, you know, it's not all perfect. Life happens, but we deal with it. And imagine, you know, just how much that, that, that self back to the self-efficacy, right? Knowing that you can handle what, if something's going to go wrong. Yeah. yeah that it's like built in resiliency yeah. because, um, you know, when they're little, when they would fight or squabble, uh, you know, getting that, asking them to figure out a solution was so much more effective than me imposing my adult solution on their squabbles or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the exact same thing is true now, right? If they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, what do I do? You know, I'm under this pressure, this friend is saying this, this situation, whatever's happening in their life. You know, if I say, well, this is what I think you should do, and I'm going to, you know, judge whatever you decide as, as a bad decision, that's not partnering. That's not supporting, right? But when, when <clears throat> we have this connected relationship and we're able to, like you said, talk about things and, and brainstorm and come up with ideas and truly whatever choice they come up with, I can at this, I mean, honestly, at this point, you know, it might not be the choice I would make, but again, like you said, I trust them that they know themselves and what they're capable of and what's the right choice for them. And like you said, is it not the right choice? Who knows, right? It's, it's like that Buddhist story about the guy who his son breaks his leg and the whole town says, oh, we're so sorry your son broke his leg. And he's like, we'll see. And then the army comes in to recruit, but his son has a broken leg. And they all say, oh, it's so great that he has a broken leg. And he says, we'll see. And then, you know, and the story goes on. And essentially with every choice and everything, you know, there's a pro and a con and a different path. And, and you just, like you said, resiliency and you just make, make it go. <laughs> go, right? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Renee. It was wonderful. Hey, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Pam. Oh, thank you so much. And before we go, is there a place where people can connect with you online? Uh, I don't have a blog, but um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm Renee Kabatic on everything. I don't have any fancy names. So, <laughs> yeah, and I, I love to make friends and answer questions and talk about this stuff. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much again. And have a great day. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also enjoy the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out my book, The Unschooling Journey, A Field Guide. Inspired by Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey Framework, the book is a weave of myths, contemporary stories, and tales from my own journey. It's not a how-to book. No two paths through the world of unschooling have the same twists and turns. 
Yet, having a general sense of where you are on your journey can bring valuable insight as you navigate the challenges that will inevitably appear. Remember, you are the hero of your story.